Today's scripture is from John 3, verses 16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. This is the word of God for the people of God. You may be seated. Y'all, Christmas is so close. It is so close, right? It's almost here tonight at 7 p.m. in the sanctuary. We're going to light candles and have communion to celebrate Jesus' birth. So if you've got shopping left to do, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, We're going to pray in just a minute at the end of the sermon, and you might want to slip out uh, to get to Walgreens or CVS. Um, God bless you. Uh, if, if you've still got shopping to do, especially if you have to go to Walmart today. <laughs> Christmas, friends, Christmas is so close. If you're a parent, it's probably getting hard to keep your kids away from the Christmas tree. I know that in our house, every uh, package has been shaken and padded and squished to determine what might be held inside of that wrapping paper. Christmas is so close. If you've got friends or family coming into town, you've probably got a list of of what you have to clean or what you have to cook or things you need to prepare in your house for your guests to arrive. And if you're a child, you're probably having a tough time controlling yourself right now. Between being out of school and knowing what's going to happen tomorrow morning, God bless the parents. Christmas is so close. And because Christmas is so close, there's this anxiety that sometimes comes over us. There's this stress that comes with the holiday season, at least it does for me. And so because there's so much going on between work parties and and, uh, friends parties and times to get together and meals to be cooked and gifts to be purchased, sometimes it's hard to slow down and reflect on the significance of Christmas much less to stop and reflect on all the Christmases you've experienced. But I want to give you that opportunity for just a brief moment this morning. If you will, in the stillness of this room, take just a minute and think back on all those Christmases that you've experienced. Think back on all the gifts you've ever gotten. Are there some favorites that come to mind? I need your help in this next part, friends. Thinking back on all those Christmases that you've participated in, you've been a part of, what was your favorite gift? Just shout it out. What was your favorite gift that you've received at Christmas? E.T. Someone said E.T. All right. Say that again. The inchworm. (laughs) What else? Snooker, a stuffed lion. Oh, a stuffed lion. Snooker's the stuffed lion. All right. All right. <laughs> Hot, Wheels. Hot Wheels. Legos. Yeah, great gifts. All great gifts. Let me share with you my favorite gift of all time that I got when my brother and I, I was six, my brother was four. This is it right here. Do you, uh, do you see this? That, friends... 
Oh, I, I got a groan. Someone groaned. This is a Nintendo entertainment system, friends, right? I was six years old. My brother was four. We got this. We ripped the, the, the packaging apart. We pulled out the NES and the, the two controllers that plugged into it, and we got behind our console. Do y'all remember console TVs? We got behind our console TV, which was like as big as this pulpit here, and we plugged in the RF adapter and screwed all the parts and pieces together, and we spent the rest of the day... The rest of the day, playing Super Mario Brothers. And because we were six and four, we were not very good at Super Mario Brothers. We just weren't. We weren't very good at it. Uh, but then we looked in the box, and inside the box was a gun, right? You remember this? Like the laser gun that came with it? Turns out, Duck Hunt. Yeah, Miss Dale. Miss Dale remembers Duck Hunt, right? We spent the rest of the night shooting ducks in the living room. What could be better for two boys in South Georgia than a Nintendo system that allows you to shoot a gun? What an incredible gift. I loved our NES. We also got another game. Uh, we got a game um, called, uh, oh, goodness, Top Gun. You remember Top Gun? You remember the movie, right, Top Gun? Well, they made a Nintendo game, world's toughest video game. You get five minutes of shooting down planes, then you have to land the plane on an aircraft carrier, which is an impossible task. The only person I've ever known to actually pull off the landing in the Top Gun video game happened to be a Black Hawk pilot. He knew exactly what they were talking about. But my brother and I, we couldn't do it at all. But we loved our Nintendo entertainment system. I'm sure all of us have gotten some pretty incredible gifts at Christmas. Maybe yours wasn't a Nintendo Entertainment System, but maybe it was something meaningful or something that you needed, and that gift came at just the right time. Advent, friends, is a season of the year when we're reminded of the incredible gifts that we've received from God. We hear the voices of the prophets who waited and longed for the coming of a Savior and a Messiah. And we've had the opportunity to long with them for Jesus' return when he'll make all things new. We light candles and pray to remember the hope that we have received, the peace that we've been given, the joy that comes from knowing God and the love that God has poured out on us. Love so great that it put on flesh to come and dwell among us, full of grace and truth. This morning, I want to remind you of how great that love is by looking at one of the most familiar passages in John's gospel, John 3, 16 and 17. Now, a little bit of background on this, story, on this uh, passage of Scripture. It's one that you can probably quote by heart. It's often quoted, it's occasionally seen scrawled on pieces of poster board and, and cardboard at football games, and it's a passage that we're comfortable with, and perhaps a little bit too familiar with, and that causes us to miss out on how revolutionary the message that Jesus shares in these two verses is. This passage from John 3 comes in the midst of a late night conversation between Jesus and a Pharisee named Nicodemus. Now, Nicodemus wasn't just your average run-of-the-mill kind of priest. He was, again, a Pharisee, and he was also a member of the Sanhedrin, a ruling council of 70 that oversaw the religious and civic life of the Jewish people there in Jerusalem. He was a man of power. He was a man of authority. He was a man who was in the know. And so in the middle of the night, he sneaks out 
to meet Jesus in a courtyard to have a conversation. To find out if Jesus truly was the Messiah. And to find out what Jesus was up to. And in the conversation, Nicodemus gets confused about what Jesus is talking about. He says, Jesus says to Nicodemus, you must be born anothen. You must be born again or born from above. And this confuses Nicodemus. He says, how in the world can one be born again? Should I go back into my mother's womb? And Jesus, seeing that Nicodemus is confused and doesn't understand what Jesus is trying to say to him, He gives Nicodemus insight into his mission. So listen again to John 3, 16 and 17. Jesus says to Nicodemus, Nicodemus, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, Nicodemus, but to save the world through him. To save the world through him. Jesus tells Nicodemus that God has sent him on a mission to reconcile the world to himself, that he is the one, God in the flesh, who has come to deliver us, to deliver Nicodemus from slavery to sin and death. Friends, I don't want you to miss this. Jesus tells Nicodemus that God so loved the world. He loved the world so much that he gave, that he surrendered, that he sacrificed his one and only son so that we, so that you and I, if we believe in him, will have eternal life. That, friends, is the greatest gift ever. The opportunity to be reconciled with God. But it's a gift so overwhelming that it confuses Nicodemus. It's so revolutionary that Nicodemus still doesn't seem to get it. In fact, it's not until the end of the gospel that we see that Nicodemus has become a sort of secret disciple of Jesus. So what is the message of the gift of love in John 3.16 and 17? Friends, it's simply this. That God loves us so much that rather than end us and end humanity's story because of our wickedness, because of our sinfulness, instead of ending our story, God makes a way for us to enter into eternity with him. God makes a way that we couldn't make for ourselves, a bridge that we couldn't build for ourselves. And all he asks for us to do is to believe in the one that he sent to believe in Jesus, this child who was born in a manger that would grow and mature and teach us about the kingdom of God and the nature and character of God that would demonstrate God's self-giving love by taking on our sinfulness and brokenness and bearing it to the cross, dying so that we might be reconciled to God and rising to life so that we too might be able to step into eternity with God. And all we're asked to do is to believe. To believe in Jesus who was resurrected from the dead for us. What an incredible gift. 
What an incredible gift. A gift that we don't appreciate as much as we should. A gift that we miss out on. Because we get so busy. We get so anxious. We get so tired. What a gift. It's a gift because God's mission in sending his son, it's not to condemn us or to condemn his creation, but instead to redeem it, to save it and to restore it. God's mission in sending his son is not to condemn his creation, to condemn this world, but to redeem it, to save it, to restore it, to undo what's been done through our sin. God's mission in sending his son is not to condemn you, friends, but to redeem you, to save you, to restore you. God didn't come. He didn't put on flesh to tell us how we were never going to make it. Instead, he comes to make a way for us. Every other belief system out there says that you've got to do the work of being saved, that you've got to do the work of making yourself right, of cleansing yourself. Every other belief system begins with condemnation. But friends, our faith begins with the redemptive work of God and the invitation to come and participate in it. Don't miss this, friend. God did not send his son to come and condemn the world. He sent his son to save it. He sent his son to save you, to save me, to invite us to be a part of the kingdom that he's building, a kingdom unlike any other, where faith, hope, and love are the hallmarks of living and being, a kingdom where the least and last are not overlooked, where the outcasts are not forgotten, a kingdom where every soul is valued and lifted up because our eyes are all set on the redemptive work of the same God. Friends, one of the reasons I've put my faith in God is because I know in my heart of hearts that God has been working from the moment I first fell into, into sin to restore my relationship with him. I know that from the first moment that we each took our breaths that God has not stopped working to draw us back to himself. That God has been working throughout human history to resolve the problem of sin and brokenness. And when we failed time and time and time again, God didn't sit back and leave us to ourselves, but instead he put on flesh and he came to us. Because God's fundamental nature is love and love true love doesn't withhold itself instead it gives itself and expends itself again and again and again to draw others back into right relationship if you're a parent you know what it's like to lose a child in the store this has happened a few times with Addie and Lily Grace we would go into a store like Belk's. You know, Belk's just has too much stuff in it here in Statesboro. I'm sorry if any of the Belk's management is here, but that's a, that's a moment of truth-telling. Too much stuff. Can't always see around inside of there. I can remember on more than one occasion, Addie or Lily Grace would slip away from us. And so we would start looking. And I'm not talking about, oh, 
come back, kids, looking. I'm talking about tearing apart racks of clothes, going in to the dressing rooms to see if the kids are in there, you know, looking under displays and over displays and around the corner, searching the store from end to end, asking the management to close the doors because we don't want the kids to leave if they're lost inside of the store. We went from end to end. We would search. Good parents do that, right? They don't just throw up their hands and go, well, looks like we got to start over. Right? I got to chuckle at the early service too. It's not like, oh, we lost one. We'll just start again. No. You turn the store upside down to find your lost child. That's what a loving parent does. God doesn't sit back in eternity and say, they've lost, they're lost and they've gone astray. I guess I'll just start over. No, he says, I'll leave eternity. I'll leave the glory behind to search high and low to find my lost child. That, friends, that is true love. That is self-sacrificing love, and that is the beauty of Christmas. That God's self-giving love comes to us in the flesh, in Jesus offering us redemption and eternal life, and all we have to do to receive that life is to accept him, to believe in him. That's it. And friends, if you've said yes to that offer of salvation and eternal life, then I want to ask you to do one more thing, and that is to share that with the world around you. Because our Heavenly Father is looking for his lost children. And perhaps you can show another child of God the way back to the Father. Friends, Jesus is the gift of love. He is our Emmanuel, God with us. He is the answer to our sinfulness, our brokenness, and our frustration this Christmas. Won't you put your faith in the one who loved you enough to come after you, who loved you enough to rescue you, who loved you enough to die for you so that you might live? Won't you believe in him? Won't you trust him? Won't you live for him? Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus, once more and redeem us. Give us faith to accept you and to welcome you in. Let's pray. Lord God, we have, we have not appreciated what you've done for us. Because like Nicodemus, God, we haven't understood what you've done for us. As the Easter hymn says, what wondrous love is this? Love that would leave heaven and come to earth to draw us back into a relationship. Lord Jesus, help us to pause this Christmas and to remember the incredible gift that you are to us, to creation, and to the world. Help us, Lord, as we accept you to invite others to take that same step of faith, to share with them the good news that heaven has touched earth 
and is making all things new. Lord Jesus, move in us again today. This we pray in the name of Christ. Amen.